my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about Bitcoin of course, and the cryptocurrencies and this decentralized revolution that's happening. I'm here with you each and every week trying to bring you the asymmetric information to benefit, to participate in this asymmetric opportunity that we're facing. Uh, today, I am joined by one of my good friends, Justine Harper. She um, She's with Unchained Capital, and you can find her on Twitter at Miss Hodel. That's H-O-D-L, Miss Hodel. Of course, if you don't know what that means, that's hold on for dear life. That's a term that we use in the Bitcoin space for hanging on really strong and not, not having weak paper hands. Um, anyway, Justine, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me here. And yes, uh, we all hold on for dear life. But yeah, I've, I've always joked that I hodl all the things, so it seemed fitting. But yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Yeah, oh man, I love trading stuff back and forth with you online. So I thought it'd be so fun just to have you in and just kind of talk about what's going on. You know, I'm just trying to keep everybody up to date on what's going on in the Bitcoin and uh, decentralized revolution space. And, you know, I'm bringing everybody the latest news each and every week so they can stay on top of it. Of course, not everybody lives in the space like we do. And, you know, one of the articles I was reading this week that kind of caught my eye um, was 
it was on the Wall Street Journal. I mean, this is really starting to get mainstream. Uh, it's kind of the uh, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then they have to kind of join you. And of course, that's kind of where the Wall Street uh, fits in. And there's this article that says that um, you know more players are beginning to arrive in the world of digital assets. Um, and it says at the beginning of a person's journey into the world of cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin, um, a wallet often refers to what a traditional bank or brokerage account already does and it holds a customer's assets. Um, and I think like, um, you know, I think there's a big misconception that a lot of people have when they come in is that, you know, we're so used to kind of growing up in how a bank works and they bank holds our money, right? I don't want to put it in my mattress. I, I put it in a bank. Um, and they think about the same way about bank, uh, when I buy Bitcoin, whether I buy that on Robinhood or, 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 um, you know, cash app or whatever, that it's like kind of leaving it on a bank there. And, and, uh, I know that's a big misconception. What do you think about that? I think it's a big misconception as well. Um, I think one of the most beautiful things about Bitcoin is our ability to truly own an asset for the first time in history. And part of that, um, is being able to not be cut off from this asset. So in a traditional banking system, that bank holds that asset and, um, you're trusting for it to be there and for you to have access to it when you need it. And Bitcoin essentially solves that issue by you holding the keys to this address or wallet um, and therefore cannot be cut off your, from your wealth. So I do think it's a normal um, in an individual's Bitcoin journey to start out with their assets, you know, on an exchange. They purchase some Bitcoin somewhere. It's sitting there. And then as they learn more and more, I do feel that self-custody is a very, very important step to take and something I'm super passionate about. Um, so I do believe that everybody is capable to hold the keys to their own um, Bitcoin wealth. And I love to see things like this in the Wall Street Journal. Um, I love that we're going mainstream in this way, but I do think it's really vital, important to educate individuals on those differences and the importance of digging into self-custody for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're the perfect perfect person to talk to about this as, as you work for Unchained Capital. I know you guys offer solutions for that, but you know, I like to try to think about things in terms of like, what's the problem that we're trying to solve? Right. Today we have all this money sloshed around the system. It's all trying to like solve problems that we don't need. And it's like, you know, Bitcoin came to solve a massive problem, which was um, being able to custody my own assets. And uh, it, it allowed me to store my wealth in a way that can't be stolen or manipulated. And so if that's the and actually I've made I've talked a lot about this. I, I think that's the oldest problem in humanity. Um, since the beginning of time, someone's going to come steal my chickens or, you know, steal my goats. And so we make a, uh, we make a collective and then a village and then a kingdom and then a country. Um, and we're removing that oldest problem that man has, has had. So like, why wouldn't we want to take advantage of that? Like, isn't that the whole thing we're trying to solve? Absolutely. No, and I think sometimes people think of extremes, right? Like, oh, well, you know, this exchange, what's, what are the chances actually of it getting hacked? What are the chances of me losing assets? Um, by losing access. And I think history tells us it's actually a very probable thing that we should be concerned about. I mean, we could go back to Executive Order 6102, if you have any gold holders out there, I'm sure you're very familiar with that. But even today, you know, um, banks cut off your access. Maybe you did some transactions they didn't like. Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, you're going against the, uh, the, the fold a bit. And they can essentially say, you no longer can have access to these banking facilities. We have millions of people who are unbanked around the world. So I think it is a real problem. And I think Bitcoin does solve that, as well as, of course, you know, solving the issue of a hard money asset. But having the ability to fully uh, hold the wealth in our hands and have no way of being cut off from it, I think, is a huge, 
huge part of it as well. And so, yes, I think it's an extremely important aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I've actually been in court all week virtually. I'm not supposed to be talking about it, but I'm actually in a lawsuit with an exchange I'm not going public with about yet because some of my assets disappeared out of there mysteriously. This a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, if it, ha- if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Um, so, so there's that, but I think, you know, it's, it's even bigger than that too, right? Where, uh, you, you referenced the uh, executive order 6102. So, um, basically that's, uh, back in 1933, the government took everyone's gold away. And, uh, a lot of people, Ray Dalio, I made a video about Ray Dalio cause he said that the government will make Bitcoin illegal just like they did gold. Um, and the same reason why they did with gold, but they made, they were able to make gold illegal because it was already in the banks and they went into a bank holiday where they shut the banks down. And then, uh, when they reopened them, uh, they couldn't get their gold out. But if they had to go like across the prairie from ranch to ranch to ranch with people with guns and collect gold, it probably never would have happened. No, absolutely. So that's a single point of failure, right? So the bank became our single point of failure because it was holding all of our assets. Um, and I do feel like exchanges are that same, uh, have that same issue as the, as that traditional banks do. So I feel like if you're getting into Bitcoin, it's okay to be slightly intimidated by self-custody, but you do need to understand how vital it is because it's one of the factors of Bitcoin that is extremely empowering. And that's something at Unchained Capital that we, our, our goal essentially is to help empower people to hold their wealth. And then of course, offer additional services, but holding those keys is a step one. That's the whole foundation. And so trying to empower people to do that um, because it is the most important part. Yeah. And I guess the big thing that people have to kind of think through is like custodial or non-custodial. Like, and I guess it really comes down to who holds the key, right? Do I have it myself or am I trusting somebody else? And I guess they both have their pros and cons. Um, and I guess you just kind of, kind of think through which one suits your, your particular needs. Yep, everything has trade-offs, um, especially Bitcoin. So I think it's one of those things that there are services, and sometimes you wanna you wanna give up a little bit to get those services. Uh, it just depends on each individual, but also, yeah, you gotta kind of think of like, why are you holding Bitcoin? Are you holding Bitcoin because it's the hardest money that's ever existed, and nobody can cut you off from it? Well, hey, then you probably shouldn't have it on an exchange that you could easily be cut off from that. So yeah, I just think it's it's something that we all have to think about, and it is completely different than traditional legacy system and how we're used to dealing with things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that single point of failure. I think we, a hundred years ago, everybody was sort of holding their assets, right? So this idea of turning it over to the bank was not something people wanted to do. And so we sort of have to retrain ourselves to what it feels like to actually own an asset and personal responsibility comes along with that. But there is, in my opinion, uh, financial freedom that comes along with it, with that responsibility. Yeah. If you think about, um, you know, way back, uh, you know, whatever, 150 years ago, people would just hold, hold gold. That would gold was money. And you would, you know, from movies or whatever you see, they have like a, a treasure, a treasure map, right? They'd go bury their gold and then they'd have like this map and that's how they would secure it by hiding. I suppose. Um, but we've always had that problem. Um, and so I think, you know, we've, uh, needed a bank to store that because of course we can't secure it properly. Uh, but now it's just so easy and it costs no money. It, uh, there's, there's no security that's involved. Um, just a little bit of effort. I want to get into some of the steps, um, that maybe you, you could help us think through as far as custody or non-custody when we get back. Um, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about Bitcoin and we're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, of course each and every week. I'm with my good friend, Justine Harper. You can find her on Twitter at Miss Hodel, M-S-H-O-D-L. 
She's with Unchained Capital. Um, I just brought her on to have a good talk, and uh, just so happens this story is right up her alley. We'll be back with more on how to secure your Bitcoin when we get right back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and the decentralized revolution. And I tell you each and every week, this is the biggest movement. This is the biggest shift we've ever seen in humanity that we'll ever see. And of course, the way to take advantage of it is to have information that most people don't have, which is why you should be here with me at this time each and every week. So pull out your phone, um, set a reminder for this channel, uh, for this time slot. Um, I'm here with my good friend, Justine Harper. You can find her on Twitter at Miss Hodel, M-S-H-O-D-L, at Miss Hodel. Of course, um, at one Mark Moss. Uh, if you'd like to give us a follow, shoot us a question, tell us you heard us on the radio, that would be awesome. But we were talking about before the break, um, this Wall Street Journal article that came out talking about how people coming into Bitcoin um, or have to think about wallets. Um, so it was interesting uh, that they brought that kind of to the forefront. Um, and one of the distinctions that they made or they said that people should think about would be um, custodial or non-custodial. And um, I think at the end of the day, really, that comes down to who holds the key. So they say, you know, not your keys, not your coin, uh, so to speak. Justine, um, when you think about non-custodial wallets, um, I guess typically I would think about like apps on a phone that I would like download like an app. Um, but I guess even like Coinbase would also probably be considered a non-custodial wallet, right? So I think Coinbase has a non-custodial function. Um, they do have like a separate wallet that does allow you to hold the keys. Um, and we may take a couple of steps back. I'm not sure how what level of understanding the audience is at, but essentially Bitcoin, you know, essentially lives on a network. Whoever holds the keys to this address can move funds and therefore prove ownership by signing a transaction with these keys. Um, so when you have funds on an exchange, they're holding Bitcoin. You have an IOU next to your name that says this is how much you own. And you're asking them, uh, for permission to move those funds. Uh, holding your own keys or self-custody essentially means you hold those keys and therefore there's no middleman. And so when you move over to a non-custodial wallet, that essentially means when you set up this wallet, you were given a set of keys. In Bitcoin, keys sometimes look like something called seed phrases, which is a list of 12 to 24 words. It's essentially a code or algorithm that represents this long string of characters that is your keys. So um, if you have not been given those seed phrases when you set up this wallet, you don't have the keys. So you can find mobile apps, which we would call like a hot wallet. Um, great ones would be like Blue Wallet, Green Wallet, um, Moon Wallet. Um, and then you have custodial services who hold those keys for you, which when I think of that, you have exchanges. Uh, this article is talking about banks doing this, perhaps. You know, there are a lot of uh, companies that do this for you. Then you can go and even step further and do something called hardware wallets, which means you're holding your keys on a separate device, not on your phone, not online. Um, and it's just a small user interface, exactly, that allows you to interact with those keys and stores them securely. So that's my, that's my quick spiel on, uh, on how those work. But yes, essentially, when I think of non-custodial, I think of someone who, some sort of entity that's offering a wallet software for you to use while you hold the keys um, rather than custodial like an exchange that's, that's just holding the asset for you. 
You know, I think about, um, as I was saying, but maybe, I think before the, um, in the last section, before the break, um, it really solves the oldest problem that mankind has had is how can I store my property in a way that it can't be stolen from me? So Bitcoin solves that problem. And that's definitely one way, one reason to custody. it. I also think about it another way. Um, I, I kind of, we talked about with the gold situation, how they stole the gold. And I like to say that, uh, centralization always leads to manipulation. And so, um, you know, almost we have a responsibility. Well, we should want to take custody of our assets because we can, and it solves that problem. But we also seem to probably, uh, at least myself, I'm curious where you're at, but probably have like this responsibility to hold these financial uh, firms um, responsible. And so um, when we allow them to centralize all our assets, they'll start to manipulate it just like they did with gold. They started printing too many gold certificates. Um, and so, you know, we have in the in the gold paper market, there's like 500 paper ounces for every one physical ounce being sold. And now we're starting to see like Bitcoin ETFs and all these types of things. And like we can just pull our Bitcoin off the exchange and like we can hold them accountable, make sure they're like playing by the rules all the time. I mean, do you think that's a big piece of that as well? Yes, I think it's a huge piece. I think when we go back in, um, in history and like, like, how did we get here? Right. We all use gold independently. We, we used to chip those chips off of our gold block, right. To transact yeah. with people. And then we found an easier way to solve this issue of transacting by giving the bank our gold. And they gave us a piece of paper that was redeemable for that gold and then the the issue arise like you speak of that now they had all this gold and they were you know doing paper or coins and they could decide what percentage of gold or asset was within those right what, what how much did you get in return and that led to printing you know they could they can print endless amounts of uh, this helicopter uh, paper money right anytime they want and we have no ability to audit that supply we have no ability to demand those assets. Uh, we're just sort of in their hand. So I think Bitcoin is very different, even in the um, way of using these sort of third parties, is that you can't you can't make more Bitcoin. Uh, you can independently audit the supply. You can see it publicly where it sits. And so they are held to a higher standard. But I do think that if we get into a habit of always relying on these third parties, we're going to find ourselves in a situation of that centralized entity and a single point of failure. And that, in my opinion, is why self-custody, even if you start off very simply, should be the end goal for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, we got to keep these... Uh got to keep these uh, institutions accountable. I mean, otherwise, we just have only ourselves to blame, you know. In the past, it wasn't our fault, you know, um, especially in futures um, commodities. So Bitcoin's considered a commodity. So oil, wheat, you know, things like that. We, we can't take delivery of oil. Like, what am I going to do with that? And so, right. you know, you're, you're kind of stuck with that. Even gold, like, how do I take delivery of the gold? Um, but we can take delivery of Bitcoin with just clicking a button, and it doesn't cost us anything. And so... Um, I guess, man, if people don't want to take the responsibility to do that, they probably deserve what they're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, first of all, like, are, are you saying you can't independently audit the supply of oil, Mark? Like, what are you doing with yourself? Um, but yes, so I do think that, like I said, everything has trade-offs. Um, I do think that there will be people who just get exposed to Bitcoin or crypto um, through these third parties, but you're just getting financial exposure. So maybe it's about price action, right? You're not getting the benefits of a decentralized mm, yeah. hard asset that you can own. You only get that if you are holding the keys. Um, but yes, we can hold them accountable because they can't just make up a number on a spreadsheet anymore, right? We're taking that ability away from them. And that's what Bitcoin does is it, uh, it aligns the incentives 
and allows us to audit absolutely everything. Yeah, that's a good point. When when you buy it on on exchange, like well, not exchange, but like a Robinhood, for example, or a Cash App, um, you're not really or PayPal. I think uh, some of those they don't allow you to withdraw it. So kind of to the point you just made, you're getting exposure to the price of Bitcoin, um, but you're not really participating in this decentralized revolution that's actually happening. You're not you're not you're not doing anything revolutionary. All you're literally doing is gambling. And just betting on the price, and so that's that's a good point. So definitely think about uh, one where you buy it. I mean, you should buy it at a place that allows you to withdraw it, and then, of course, the next step is to withdraw it. Uh, maybe start small, right? I get it. It's scary. I've lost a lot of Bitcoin. Um, anybody who's been in the space long enough has, and so so start small doing that. I want to switch gears. I want to jump into um, some big news that happened this week. Uh, one of uh, Bitcoin's uh, biggest people talked to one of the, uh, I don't know, psychology, philosophies, world's biggest people. And there were some really good nuggets with that. Uh, you listen to The Mark Moss Show. I'm with Justine Harper, Miss Hodel, and we're going to be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about Bitcoin each and every week. We talk about Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies, decentralized revolution. We're talking about this entire movement that's going on. I'm here every week trying to give you the asymmetric information so you can participate in this asymmetric opportunity. I'm here with my good friend, Justine Harper. You can find her on Twitter at Miss Hodel. That's M-S-H-O-D-L. Um, I got to warn you, though, she can be a little snarky sometimes, <laughs> but I love it. I love to talk to her, so I'm so happy that she's here. Um, we were talking about um, this Wall Street Journal article about um, how to custody your coin and, and how to think through different types of wallets. She's the perfect perfect person to talk to about that because uh, she works for Unchained Capital, which is a company that I use to help me secure my um, Bitcoin. So check them out when you get a chance, Unchained Capital. Um, Justine, I want to talk about something else. So there's an, an article, or actually something big happened this week, and that was um, Jordan Peterson, who uh, most people probably know by now, probably doesn't need a big introduction of who he is, um, Probably one of the smartest people. I mean, I mean, there's there's, there's all different types of genius, I suppose. Um, but man, I think the world needs more people like Jordan Peterson, or at least, at least we need him uh, around for quite a bit longer to help educate people. Um, and he sat down with uh, with Safetyn, Safetyn Amos, who is a, is a big Bitcoin, also kind of a philosopher, Austrian economist, um, and it made made uh, made big waves. And I thought there were some really good things that came out of it. So a couple of things I saw was like uh, Jordan Peterson kind of had this uh, this kind of aha moment. Um, did you watch, uh, first of all, did you watch when he talked with uh, Breedlove and John Vallis and all those guys? Did you catch that? Yes. Yeah, no, that was great from a book club, right? Like this started as a book club and then somehow, which is just so, these are, the, these are some of the most amazing people in Bitcoin um, talking to, as you mentioned, like, a man who needs no introduction. So it was definitely one of those moments that was like beautiful for yeah. everyone involved. But yes, so uh, this is another one of those moments for sure. Yeah, it was so good, you know, because I love Jordan Peterson because he's so, so smart. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't like rely on like, I'm so smart, I know everything. He's actually very inquisitive, right? He loves to ask questions. Uh, he's a great interviewer because of that. Um, and and, and uh, yeah, there was probably probably not many people better equipped to talk to him than Breedlove and Vallis because they were able to talk to him like on that level. Uh, while I would love to talk to him, I don't think I could talk to him on that, that same level. Like they were able to match him, you know, kind of, that's how I felt same. about it. Anyway. Absolutely. Um, no, they, they have this way of like a very intellectual, almost spiritual way of discussing things. And I feel like that's how he is. And they all also sort of practice this extreme ownership way about them, um, which yeah. I, that's one of the things I really love about Jordan Peterson, um, but they they do as well. So I thought that was a great match. And then Saifedean, who's one of my favorite people in the space, if you want to talk about Starkey, aka passionate, yeah. <laughs> um, he's definitely one of those people. It's probably why we get along so well. So this was a great one. Um, that aha moment was amazing. But yes, I'll let you continue. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. This was one of those moments that's like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. 
Yeah, shout out to Safety and too. You follow him on Twitter as well. He wrote the book, The Bitcoin Standard, which is, uh, I mean, everybody should, anyone listening to this at this point right now should get that book, The Bitcoin Standard. Uh, he just released a new book. I pre-ordered it. I haven't got my copy yet, but it's called The Fiat Standard, uh, which I'm sure is going to be equally as good. Um, so everybody check that out. But, you know, one of the things about Jordan Peterson, if you if you watch his content, is uh, he, he's got a lot of haters for because he doesn't tell people that it's okay, it's not your fault. He doesn't pander to that victim mentality, which I know you don't either. He's like, shut up. This is the hand that you're dealt. Like, deal with it, right? And so he's like very matter of fact about things, which I I resonate with. I think more people need to hear. Um, and and one of the things that I think, you know, as he was going through this, he said, uh, he's like, like safety and said, like, there's no insiders in Bitcoin. Bitcoin only has users. There's no admins. Um, there's nobody with a master key. There's nobody that controls it. And I think that was like a pretty big aspect that uh, Jordan Peterson hit. And that's something that I think you and I talk about a lot. What does that mean that it has no admin, no insiders? Well, there's nobody, uh, there's no centralized entity, right? Like we kind of joke that Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team, but you know what else it doesn't have is some like terrible CEO telling us all what direction it's going to go in, right? Like it truly is um, decided by the, by consensus, which is the individuals running the software. And so there is no, there's first no one who can just decide that you no longer can use Bitcoin. Um, but also there's no one making these decisions, which does sometimes, uh, look interesting as we all sort of figure it out. I think that uh, centralization sometimes can look smoother from the outside looking in. Um, but it also has, you know, it has a lot of downfall with the centralized nature. So, I do think that um, both of these individuals talk a lot about personal responsibility. So I think that that's something, obviously, that would come up about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is, you know, personal responsibility. You get absolute freedom if you're willing to take on that personal responsibility. Um, and yeah, there's nobody. There's nobody that can stop you from using Bitcoin. I love that contrast, like you said, right? Like uh, you get ultimate freedom, but you have to be willing to take the responsibility. And I think a lot of times today, people want the freedom, but they don't want the responsibility. Like I want the ability to go Absolutely. do this, but if something bad happens, then I want you to be responsible for it kind of a thing. Uh, maybe that's why some people don't get Bitcoin. I, I think so very much. Um, I think that this sort of isn't just about Bitcoin, though. I think this idea of personal responsibility, you can have these things, but you have to work for them, is sort of something that we've moved away from in society. I mean, if you look at, and then this is sort of my background, before I got into Bitcoin, I was very much into homesteading and trying to figure out how to remove the middleman. And, you know, this is why I was a gold holder. And I was like trying to learn how to, you know, uh, replace products from the store with things I would buy, um, or I'm sorry, make instead of purchase. And so like with everything in life, there is, there's a balance, right? There's a trade-off. If you want this freedom, you have to work a little bit harder. If you want this, this, uh, pro, you have to sort of work for it. And yeah. so Bitcoin is that way. Um, it's one of those things that you can have the ultimate financial freedom, but yeah, you, you, it's not gonna be handed to you. you there are some steps you have to take. And I, I do think that we as a society have fallen away from personal responsibility and extreme ownership, kind of like what you mentioned is like, you're responsible for the things you do. And you're also responsible for the outcome of your life. There are things bumps along the way and how you deal with them sort of defines who you are as an individual. But at the end of the day, it's you and what you choose to do makes you who you are. Um, and I think that resonates a lot with individuals who kind of get into Bitcoin is that like, oh, I, I can choose how much freedom I have here. I, it's, it's here. I can use it. I can do whatever I want with it. I can, I can use it in different levels, right? But it's up to me yeah. to actually take those steps into it. 
Yeah. And that goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the earlier segment about the custody, right? You have to have that responsibility. He went on to say that um, the the aspect that um, any user is seen and treated equally by the Bitcoin network, which is super powerful, right? It's revolutionary. Everyone is is in yeah. is equally um, the fiat currency is is opposite. So the people that produce the money and are closest to the money supply get unequal treatment. Uh, it's just not a system that's fair at all. Yeah, I one of my favorite Bitcoin sayings. Um, I do actually have this as a little sign on my uh, bookshelf. Is Bitcoin doesn't care. And what I think that means is that like Bitcoin doesn't care where you came from. It doesn't care about your uh, race, your gender. It doesn't care about your income level. It is equal to all. It is the ultimate equalizer. Everyone has the equal chance to partake in the network. Anybody can run the software very easily and cheaply at home. Um, And you have the same access as anyone else. And no matter if someone owns more than you, it doesn't matter. They don't get to decide uh, what happens to your stake just because they own more. Uh, they don't get to decide what happens to your asset because they don't like you. You know, Bitcoin is for enemies that you don't get to decide who uses it and how. Uh, and so I do truly believe it's the, the ultimate equalizer. And I find that extremely revolutionary. I mean, there's there's places in the world that women aren't allowed to have bank accounts, but they can yeah. have a Bitcoin wallet. They can hold the keys. They can take their wealth across uh, you know, state or country lines. And nothing can stop them, and yeah. and that's that's so revolutionary. I love that you said um, nobody can say who has it, how or or how they use it. That's an important piece. I want to come back. I want to talk about that and a couple other things that Jordan Peterson said. So some of his big aha moments, because I think maybe the people listening will have some more of those aha moments as well. If you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and of course this giant decentralized revolution i'm with miss justine hodel miss hodel i'm sorry justine harper um we're talking about bitcoin and we will be right back all right welcome back you are listening to the mark moss show and we're talking about bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution i'm in the studio with my good friend justine harper you can find her on twitter at miss hodel um, of course, I am one Mark Moss on Twitter. Find us, follow us, shoot us a question, tell us you heard us here. Uh, Justine works for Unchained Capital, which is the company I use to help me secure my Bitcoin. We were talking about that in the earlier segment. But right now we're talking about um, one of the greatest thinkers alive today, um, Jordan Peterson, um, was matched up with uh, another awesome great thinker, Safety, um, in the Bitcoin space. And it was really cool um, to listen to some of the excerpts and to, or to watch it if you got to do that of what happened because you're watching Jordan Peterson, this the you know one of the smartest guys in the world, but also still very curious, um, kind of have these um, realizations. And um, he said, like um, from the mainstream perspective, money is the creation of the state. Most people think you know, from the mainstream perspective that money is the creation of the state. And the only question is, what is the state's role in the management of money, right? That's what Safe Safe said. But but from a, but really, money is the product of the market and not the invention of the state. And I think that's one thing that most people just have never really even taken the time to think about. Like uh, we just think, like, well, the government makes money, they print money, they control money, they control interest rates, they control the supply, and we're just victims along. A, <laughs> we're like a ship without a rudder, just whatever they decide to do to us. But it's like, no, uh, that's not how it is. That's not how it should be, and that's not how it has to be. And now we have another option for that. 
Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting to think about how they've kept it that way, right? Like it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to ensure that their money is what everyone's using, right? That this is the the account that we're using, right? The, the, the form of money that we're using. And yeah, I mean, money is just decided by the market. Whatever is the most uh, usable, uh, whatever is the better store of value, whatever is the better to easier to transact, whatever the the masses choose to use is essentially it's that's that's the history of money, right? It's, it's used as a uh, transfer of wealth. Um, so yeah, this idea that it's it's um, produced by the government and decided by the government is something I think we've all just sort of accepted, but we don't have to. And I think mm-hmm, Bitcoin yeah. sort of allows us to yeah. easily opt out of that, uh, in my opinion, very flawed uh, structure and uh, idea of what money should be today. Yeah, you know, one thing that uh, the our our leaders want to tell us, right, is that uh, you know we need to regulate it because if not, things could get really bad. Um, people, but before the break, I think you had said um, uh, we, it, you know, we have the money and we can use it however we want, right? Uh, whoever whoever wants to use it, as you kind of referenced, in some countries, women can't have bank accounts. Whoever wants it, so women uh, and however they want, and I think they try to scare people by saying, "Oh, but terrorists are going to use it. and They're going to use money for all these." really bad things. Um, and, and that could happen, right? I mean, that could happen. Um, but I think you have to look at like a cost benefit analysis, right? So like, um, for the for the very few people that may potentially do something bad with it, which they'll find another way anyway, what's the greater good that could come from it, right? Versus uh, trying to prevent people from using it, which you really can't anyway, and then you're penalizing everybody else on top of it, right? I mean, that's a massive difference. Yes, agree. This is this is some of my favorite uh, scare bud. Um, you know, like like somehow people aren't using dollars to do illegal things, right? Like like that's yeah, something right. that we're supposed to believe. <laughs> <Never>. These <laughs> things aren't used already. So there was there yeah, was no so crime before world, Bitcoin, right? <laughs> never, never. No, the dollars have never been used in any sort of crime whatsoever. They're totally yeah, it's totally regulated. Um, but yeah, so I think it's sort of laughable. But I think this is one of those things where people use fear to try to direct people in the way that they want them to go. And this is one of those things. And right. yes, I mean, there will be illegal activity that happens in the form of Bitcoin, right? We're using Bitcoin as the money to pay for that. Um, but if we we go to a place where now we get to decide who uses this form of money, well, then who gets to decide and who decides what's right and wrong? And now we're back to where we are now, where, where we have, um, you know, tyrants and government entities sort of discriminating yeah. against people by not allowing them to have access to uh, banking facilities. And so I think that it's just a really dangerous slope that you go down. And I do agree with what you said, that there's trade-offs for everything. There's a balance of pros and cons. And allowing anyone to transact is much more beneficial than the idea that, oh, okay, somebody might use it illegally. Yeah, they use dollars for that. I, I just, it, it's one of those things where it's like on the, if nobody's familiar with the FUD dice, uh, Nick Carter came up with some dice that essentially have all of these like different sides of FUD that kind of come up over and over again and, and are shot down, but they, they are a reoccurring FUD. So this is one of those. And I think it is scary for people to think of. But when you zoom out and think about how our current financial system works and think about the flaws in having a system that can be controlled by a centralized entity and people can be cut off for it for whatever reason they choose. Right. That's that's just not that's not positive for humanity. Um, It doesn't work out for the masses. Um, And in my opinion, it just leads to discrimination uh, through a financial system and essentially control. 
you know, people are controlled by their money, which is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something thing I, I like, really think we have the chance to do away from. The fiat money system, I think Jimmy Song put it in his book, um, Thank God for Bitcoin. It's another good book you should probably all go read. And he talked about how um, people think that money is neutral. It's a tool. It can be used for good or bad. But but fiat money is not that. It's actually a system built on theft, which inflation is theft. It's a system built on lies and deceit because they don't tell us what they're doing. They don't tell us how much there is. So it's a system built on theft, lies, and deceit. And so anything built on that is inherently evil, and it incentivizes uh, evil behavior and incentivizes people to to to, to steal and to, and to lie and deceive, et cetera. And so uh, maybe a lot of the stuff they're trying to protect us from <laughs> wouldn't really even be that big of a deal if we had an honest system that we could build the world off of. Um, like almost, uh, and, and to your point, I mean, those people could use Bitcoin, but they probably drove a car too. Could the car have been, you know, they probably drink water. Is water bad too, right? Like, I mean, we're, right. like how far do you want to go? They breathe air. Should we ban air too? You know, <laughs> like uh, exactly. all those things. It's just it's absurd. Yeah. 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 I mean, all those things have, but, but you wouldn't ban air because everybody needs air and air is better because we can live with air. So we'll have to do the trade-offs. And, and I, I guess the same you could say about having honest money, like an honest system of, of ledger that people couldn't control. Um, so anyway, no, for sure. And I think that's one of those things that, um, it, it's an interesting, and we could dig into this. I know we could dig into this for a while, Mark, yeah. but like, if we start to think about how the dollar is used and what we as taxpayers fund, I mean, oh, are we as yeah. individuals okay with all of the, uh, the, how government is spending our funds? And I I'm just not. mean like, what countries have we bombed this bombed this week, right? Like what have we paid for that was extremely evil? Um, and does nobody question how their dollars are used? And so anytime that comes up, I think it's one of those things that it's really easy to scare people in that way. But if you just take a few minutes to kind of zoom out, you realize really quickly why that's not really a concern. And it's actually a benefit of the network that nobody can decide you as an individual are now um, a traitor or a, you know, quote unquote terrorist, because you said something on social media that they didn't like and cut you off from your assets. So in my opinion, it's just a really dangerous slope that we've gone down. And, and I just, yes, I, it's that, open to all. And that's beneficial. That's such a good point. Um, if you think about um, what is the dollar, what is, what does the dollar allow? And so that's a great point. Um, I saw some stuff just, I think the last day or two of what's going on with little girls in Afghanistan. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, Cause it was, I have, I have girls and it was just devastating. But uh, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, if you saw what's going on in Afghanistan with the little girls right now, this week, today, um, and that's because of what the U.S. has been doing in there with their dollars, you know, and um, uh, it's if you want to start looking at cost benefit analysis, I think it's easy to see what happens when. To, to your point, Justine, or your word, uh, tyrants um, end up with an unlimited money supply and can manipulate everything. I mean, lockdowns and all, everything everything happens because of that money printer. And so that's what Bitcoin is doing. Um, it's separating money money and state, and uh, it's, it's something much bigger. Um, by the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. If you haven't guessed by now, of course, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about removing money and state. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that's here. I'm in the studio with Justine Harper. You can find her on Twitter at Miss Hodel. That's M-S-H-O-D-L. Um, of course, I'm one Mark Moss. She works at Unchained Capital if you want to check them out. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.